Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicola Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Roddenverse series. Hello everyone and welcome to The Best Damn Camp, a Rodenverse read-along analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm a friendly neighbourhood lesbian author and host, Fran. Welcome to the show. So while we are talking about Percy Jackson related content, uh, this week we are doing something a little bit different in that I'm not talking about the next stage of where we're at to in the books. We are talking about the most recent adaptation of Percy Jackson because last week to the day of this recording not only was it the four-year anniversary of this podcast it was also the season finale for season one of Percy Jackson and the Olympians I thought why not have an episode dedicated to doing a season recap review and discussion and just going all out talking about the show and um, I thought it'd be a little bit boring with just me because why would you want to listen to my opinions about this I've got it on YouTube but also I'm you know I'm British. Who wants to listen to a British person's opinion about an American show? <laughs> so I have a very special guest with me. You probably know him. I know most people do. So I'm very, very honoured <laughs> to have him here. It is Mr. Shoops from Newest Olympian. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is very kind of you to say. I am excited to be here and I'm happy to provide the diversity in the fact that I am American <laughs> and then a straight white boy. <laughs> So, you know, happy yes. to <laughs> offset the differences in the intro. Yes, I mean, all the diversity. I mean, me being a, mm. a lesbian, I mean, it's just not diverse at all, really. It's just... <laughs> we have to counterbalance it, yeah. you know. You can, we have to make sure. Yeah. there's There aren't enough straight white cis men in podcasting, I've always said. So yeah. I'm happy to be in here to break them all. I'm very, very happy. I mean, this is exactly what I needed. I mean... <sighs> Me being British was bad enough. I mean, we've got to find a way to make something positive about this podcast. There I am. So no, no, seriously, I'm happy to be here. I really have enjoyed the TV show. So any excuse to continue to talk about it, I am more than happy to do so. So thank you for having me. Yeah, no, of course. Like, I'm admittedly also it's the one time we're going to have the proper opportunity to collab for my podcast as well. Because I know that was the joy. Like, I literally was like reached out because it was like, hey, this is this is a rare uh, event in which I am covering something in real time, which will probably only ever happen. Hopefully, the TV show gets renewed at the time recording they haven't said anything yet but it's a weird thing where because before i did the newest olympian or i'm reading the percy jackson books for the first time i did the same thing with Potterless, where i was reading the harry potter books for the first time so like the whole five years i made that show i was never covering anything current because because by the time i caught up to stuff jk rowling was being terrible and i wasn't covering anything jk rowling made i was only doing fan stuff at mm. that point and then with the first two years of TNO, it was just all going through the first books. And then finally, it's like, oh, wow, I'm covering something in real time. It was bizarre. In my, my seven plus years of podcasting, I had never done it before. Uh, so it was, it's was it been a, a strange whirlwind uh, and it's been fun. And then soon I will 
tiptoe back into the past as I cover the Sea of Monsters movie and then Heroes of Olympus, which I'm super excited to finally start reading. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm very happy to have uh, have you on here. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. So for everyone who's listening, yeah. you guys are probably already sick of us not talking about the show. So let's get right in. <laughs> get on with it! Oh my god! <laughs> I don't care about your life. I don't care about who you are. I just care about your opinions, so I can either agree or disagree with that. <laughs> and considering this is the best damn camp, you're probably going to disagree. But mm, <laughs> most interesting podcast of Percy Jackson. World. Yeah, uh, look, I'm happy. Look, happy to be here. I feel like I have kind of when you were on my show, I we had discussed like me potentially being hated. I feel like I flipped the script where some of the people I think that disliked me got to know me and they were like, oh, he's actually really nice. Darn it. And I've uh, turned some haters into lovers. Yes, uh, I have not <laughs> <laughs> continued. <laughs> but anyway. You're all interested to hear our thoughts. So just in general, we're going to give like our overall thoughts on what we thought of the show as a whole in just kind of like generic terms. So Mike, I'm going to ask you, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? I thought it was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. I feel like I was more positive than some people. I had no idea that people weren't just like universally loving it until episode six. I was like, and people were complaining and I was like, wait, I thought we've all just been loving this the whole time. So I genuinely loved it. I think part of what helped that was I was fortunate enough to do press stuff uh, at like Comic-Con and interview some of the production folks and some of the cast and stuff like that. So I got to know some of the like behind the scenes things that went into the adaptation. Mm -hmm. So when some people were confused about some of the changes, I already knew like what led to some of mm -hmm. those. And I'm glad that Rick Riordan has been posting a bunch of stuff on threads, just like being very honest in classic Rick form where he's like, we had to cut this because you can't do too much. So I feel like because I had more understanding, I had more patience for the show. Also, because I had screener access, I was able to watch like the first four episodes at once and then episodes five through eight at once. And I will say that like doing that I made some of the things like I know people were really upset at some of the like changes that were also cliffhangers mm. so I didn't have to like deal with that as much but I still think overall the show's awesome it's really good the acting is off the charts it's so much better than the movies and I just think from top to bottom it's an incredible show I think every change like made sense you could see why they did it it wasn't like the movies where they changed stuff just to change mm. stuff and I truly enjoyed the show I think the one critique I would have is something that Rick has even admitted that like it could have been a little funnier. Mm. But other than that, I really liked it. That is really good to know. Oh, we definitely we're on polar opposites. And not I didn't dislike it. I feel like I okay. remember when I said polar opposites, like wait, hold on, I need to specify. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely well, polar opposites, yeah. but I do agree with yeah. you on. That. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I definitely I really did enjoy the show. I just definitely, and I think it may be the nostalgia not even the nostalgia because like i read it for the first time when i was like 19 nearly 20 so i'm not not even like young young because that was like a decade ago for me because like i'm nearly 30 mm -hmm. now but i've definitely so i like the show overall i i think i gave it like out of 10 i think my rating ended up being like 7.5 slash going into eight territory um okay. and it's just because i just ended up having a few critiques about story decisions and like my girlfriend called mm. it out at the same time as well because I watched um, one, I think it was episode seven I watched with her. Um, and like, <laughs> just like, your brain is just immediately just like in writing mode of just like, I would have mm. done it slightly differently. And that's how my brain works, which is not helpful when you're trying to watch something to enjoy something. But like, it's something you can't switch off. Um, mm -hmm. So I think I still, enjoy I still enjoyed it a lot. And I really am hopeful for season two. 
there were just definitely things where I was kind of like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that change. The ones that like, there are ones that 100% made sense because you couldn't do certain things for live action. But then there are others mm-hmm. that kind of, for me, it was kind of like, it changes some elements of character beats to, and things like that. Like, I think the one that I always had the biggest critique for was Athena basically saying, yeah, I'm going to let my daughter die because she, Percy embarrassed me, but my daughter let him. Yeah. Mainly just because of what happens at the end of the season. I was like, Annabeth, why didn't you go with Luke? <laughs> like, your mm. mom just tried to kill you like a couple of days In- ago. Oh, it's, that is very interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah, I didn't really think about that one. I guess that one, like, it didn't it didn't bother me too mm. much because of how they then resolved it in episode five. Like, it felt like it was a vessel to have Annabeth sort of, like, question the gods a little mm. bit. So, which I think is good. And I feel like Percy kind of, like, does that for her in the sh- in the books. Mm. So it felt like just kind of a way to accelerate that. Yeah. But, yeah, I, d- I didn't think about that for terms of why wouldn't she be more upset at the gods. Yeah. So that's an interesting thought. I do actually – I like your thought that you mentioned there, though, because I hadn't really – thought of that because yeah in the following episode she has that conversation with Hephaestus um in the tunnel Mm -hmm. of love and you know very heartfelt conversation so I can I can see where you're coming from with that and I feel like that's probably what they were going for my brain is just immediately like if my mom tried to kill me I'm joining the guy who wants to kill them (laughs) right I think you just have to think about Athena in the books though because like we don't meet her until Titan's Curse at the Hoover Dam doesn't she have a brief cameo in this when they're going oh no that's Hoover Dam. I take it back. <laughs> yeah. So at the Hoover Dam, she's like there and briefly, but she's nice. Yeah. And then when Percy actually talks to her on Olympus in book five, she's like classic, like very stern stepmother, like borderline rude yeah. to where I feel like it kind of tracks for what they did in the show. Yeah. So I think it's fine. And I also I think it was just like a workaround for them of like, I think what they had an intentional thing of doing was making all of the monsters in the show have, like, a purpose mm. and not just be, like, a little side quest. Like, Krusty wasn't just a random place they walked into. He was the guardian to the underworld. Yeah, yeah. Medusa wasn't just, like, a random place they got tricked into going to. It was something that they came upon, and then they had to go in to stay safe from Electo. Mm. And then, same thing with Echidna. I think that's what this did, is, like, it wasn't just, like, the, you know, our fun three-hour Amtrak layover where we go to a museum, <laughs> Like, it was instead, we're escaping from Echidna. Oh, no, she's here because Athena let her in. Like, I think it was all part of what was clearly a a thought process in the show, Mm. which was to drive the whole, like, why are the monsters doing what they're doing? And it made all of that stuff, I think, more impactful, which I'm okay with. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. You see the change. You see what they're going for. They were clearly going for an overarching theme of, like, who's a hero, who's a monster. And I think that's also another critique that I didn't understand. People, like, really didn't like – or some people. Some people didn't like the Hades, uh, like, actor and the way they did it. Yeah, I heard about that. I liked him. I thought it was – I liked it too. I I don't know if I just, like, read it or interpreted it differently, but I do – the one thing I will give credit to those critiques is people are saying like he wasn't intimidating enough and Percy said that Hades was very intimidating but I always liked that in the book he seemed just like a sassy grumpy Mm. Hades like he was mad at Charon and all this stuff like he seemed more sassy from what I read and then I think he gets more intimidating in the Demigod Files and The Last Olympian I think that's when Hades is a little more evil but I think it was an intentional choice for them in the show to make Hades like a little nicer Mm. because the book did this a little bit but the show made it more obvious 
that I think he's kind of like this flip of like, oh, I didn't anticipate that. I thought Hades was going to be mean. He was really nice. And I think they also did in the show to contrast it with Zeus mm. because he goes to Hades and Hades is nice. And then he goes to Zeus and Zeus is a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that was a very intentional thing along with the, you know, very beginning thing, flashback with Sally and Percy. What makes a hero a hero? What makes a monster a monster? Mm. And then even Percy later in episode eight, he says like, you know, I'm done running away from monsters, blah, blah, blah. I think that's all kind of what led into it. I think that's what led into the Athena thing. Mm. So I'm more okay with it. Yeah. And I think like overall, I think, I think I'd be okay with it. I think it was just that whole thing of just like, it didn't feel like it was fully set up enough. Like the, for me at least, like it, like they Mm. had the intention, but I don't know if it was executed well enough that people would have fully got what they were going for. Because yeah. like we're, we're analytical people, we'll be like go, like trying to break this all down. But like a casual watcher may not fully pick up on that sort of situation. Um, mm-hmm. But I really like the version that you're going for with that, and I hope we get a little bit more of that in season two, maybe slightly more overt, just so people can kind of like catch what they're going for. But I do agree with you right. with Hades. I liked him a lot. Also, we kind of see a switch with yeah. him as well when he hears the name Kronos. Where he goes mm-hmm, from being mm-hmm. less yes. chill and casual to kind of like shit serious. That's also that's also what I thought. People were like, "Oh, he he wasn't like he didn't seem like he was going to be mean enough." And I was like, "He did you not watch the part of the episode where he got met? He like completely became a different person once Cronus was mentioned." Yeah. So I'm glad you picked up on that too. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like with some of the critiques that people had, I was like, "Are we not watching the same show?" Like it's very strange. Yeah, I think there was definitely a thing after a while, like when people started to, uh, some people at least, started to notice some issues. There was then like the doom watching of kind of like you're just looking for the other issues and mm-hmm. i i will admit i did do that initially because i wasn't the biggest fan of the first two episodes because mm. i just didn't think they were as strong script wise like the pacing for them i felt were like the weakest in terms of the following episodes because mm. they just felt very fast which like i know they do feel fast in the book to a degree but i was like oh, we get a little bit more breathing room with a different medium but like mm. that's just like a me thing and i did that for a little while but then episode three fabulous episode 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 four is also really really good like Mm -hmm. it it got better there was still like low moments for me but like episode four three and eight for me and parts of five as well were some incredibly Mm -hmm. strong episodes and i really really enjoyed them overall yeah Uh, for me three five and eight are just so strong so strong eight is a powerhouse episode like it is like it is wild that it is only like 40 something minutes like i it feels like an out it feels like a film Mm. like it's truly impressive how they did that last episode so so good and i agree with you that like i would have loved a little bit of a slower pace for like episode two Mm. i think in a dream world you this is a 10 episode season instead of an eight episode season and you can do like an it would have been great if they could have done i think two episodes of camp would have been excessive an episode and a half at camp would have been great yeah totally. and unfortunately i and this is something that i got from like talking to john steinberg and dan Schatz. they mentioned this at comic-con and they mentioned this again when i talked to them later just like in the books they're at camp for like a hundred pages yeah. and you just like you just you just can't do that unfortunately yeah. like with a book you can take more time, especially in the beginning when you're setting up and world building, because people are going to read the whole book. And it's more interesting in those 
scenes where quote unquote nothing is happening, mm. especially in a first person book where you've got the narrator going yeah. on. In the show, you just can't do it, especially for a show in you know that's being released weekly, especially for a show that is like new, this new franchise for the most part. For, to Disney, they're trying to make it pop off. Like you got to get people hooked by episode three, mm. and also because they did the two episode release thing. Like the, by the end of episode two, you got to be like that was cool, and you just can't. You just can't do two camp episodes f- for the way it works. And I like, yes, that does suck. It is not like the ideal world. But unfortunately, in this weird streaming world we live in, where like shows get canceled for no good reason, even though when they have huge followings, like even for a show like this that should be like an absolute home run, they should just do five seasons without blinking. There, you just, it's the world we live in yeah. and it fucking sucks. Oh, yeah. But it would be great. It would be great if we could. So I agree with you, but I still think it was fine. Yeah. Like the way they did it. Yeah. I was going to say for like what they had time for, I do think they had like they like they did really well with it. Because I think it's like it's very much like the limitation aspect of like you only have so many episodes and also the limit for how long the episodes get to be. Because um, like. I, I remember finding myself really shocked that there was, I think it was episode, I think it was the Lotus Casino episode. It was like, when you remove the opening credits of like the previously on, then the actual credits mm-hmm. and the next time. The episode was like 23, 25 minutes. It was so yeah. short. Epi- episode four and six were both 33 with all the stuff so they were in like the late 20s of other things what's funny is i think it like thematically works for the lotus casino that it's a shorter episode because you're like whoa where'd the time go um i do know people were upset with how short episode four was but i think that was one of those like what else could they have done otherwise it would have like ended at a weird point but i also know that from filming that um that Walker, Dan Schatz, and Suzanne Cryer were all sick the first couple of days they were shooting that part of the show. Uh-huh. I don't know if there's like scenes that got left on the on the cutting room floor, but I wonder if that factored in to them filming stuff yeah. and there was like other stuff to do. But also like I don't know what else they would have yeah. done. Like I think it's just the way it broke out. Two of the episodes were a little bit shorter. Yeah, and honestly, I like with what they did with episode four. Quite literally, the only thing I think would have made sense to be there is that the end of the episode is the conversation with the narrator and him being told to go to Santa Monica with her then slowly being like pulled away or something like that so it's got a dramatic a bit more dramatic ah so you're saying gotcha yeah yeah, mainly just because the following episode we don't actually have the conversation it's just him coming out of the water right um just for like the context of it because um but that's literally just me just being like just so we know where we're going (laughs) and like what's following Mm -hmm, next mm -hmm. but um even then like that would have been nice to have but even how it is i still think it's a really strong episode like yes yeah, three four and eight mm-hmm. have always been consistently the ones i said i really really enjoyed like still had critiques for but still mm-hmm. overall were super strong episodes yeah um but in the kind of vein of just talking about the actors and characters i am intrigued for specifically the show who ended up being your favorite character? Ooh, it is tough because there's a lot of really good yeah. ones. I think if I'm picking just like favorite character, mm. I think I'm going to pick Grover because I like the additions that they made to mm. Grover. And I think it's a very good job of like still feeling like authentic Grover. 
and we get some of this thing. So it's like, ah, oh, classic Grover, even though it's stuff he never did. Like, I loved him talking with uh, Helena, the tree nymph or whatever. I thought that was really cool. I liked him gassing up Ares to trick him into revealing more information. I thought that was really cool. I enjoy the ending thing in eight with like the searcher's license and everything. Like I really enjoyed how they did Grover in the show. I think they just kind of like took the character we already love and just gave him like a little bit more. I think it's similar to like what they did with Luke where like we kind of get more like late book Grover mm. stuff earlier. Cause I feel like in the first one, Grover is a little more like sidekicky. Yeah. And then as the books go on, you're like, Oh dang Grover. And I think that they just kind of like brought that in earlier. Like he's more competent earlier on. And I really liked it. And then also Aryan is just like an incredibly talented actor and is just so funny and just like the consensus song is a top-notch incredible moment and addition it's just oh i really enjoyed grover a lot yeah i'm not gonna lie i was considering saying grover as well solely because Mm -hmm. like grover is already kind of one of my favorite characters in the books anyway just because he is sweetness incarnate um like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. gives me like toothache level sweetness i just love him so much um but they've just, yeah, like you said, they've just elevated his character so much more in the show and just kind of made him feel more part of the group because, like, he de- he definitely yeah. felt like sometimes he was kind of just tagging along. Definitely a little bit of a third wheel in the first book, but not so much later on. So I like that they got yeah, rid of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, But I think my favorite character is going to end up being Luke. Yeah. Just because, mm-hmm. wow, did they set him up so much better in the show. I, I enjoy mm-hmm. him in the books. He's still well, de- like, not like fully well developed, but like he still has a presence in the books. But the show really drove home his reasons for what he was doing, his like actual friendship with Percy, like all these sort of things. Like just Charlie Bushnell, fantastic actor, really kind of gets the sense. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of feel like he's just exhausted. Like when you first meet him, just like he just see not when you first meet him, when he's sending Percy off on the quest and saying goodbye and giving him the shoes, he just kind of looks like a really tired kid. And he's just kind of like he has this energy about him, about someone who's just got so much on his shoulders. But also like there's a sense of something else present there. And, like, that training mm-hmm. sequence in episode eight, fantastically done. Yes. It, the oh, actual so cool. confrontation, Jesus Christ, standout scene. Oh, Full-out standout scene. Um, and, yeah, I just, they just really stepped up the, you know, the character of Luke in comparison to how he was in the books. Like, I believe that he is the friend who betrayed Percy when I didn't really believe right. it that much in the books. Yeah, I think we are going to have to start establishing book Luke and show Luke because I think show Luke is so much better. Like, I still think Luke is a well-crafted villain, Mm. but I think this is the ultimate example. And I've been saying this a lot on my show is like Rick has said multiple times that this show allows him to kind of say, what if I was doing it again from the beginning? How would I change it? And I think this is the number one example of that i feel like at the beginning of book five rick was like oh okay i thought of a bunch of stuff to make luke more compelling (laughs) and he did and i still feel like it's earned like i don't get uh, some comparisons that i had like tossed around was like snape but i think snape is like way too much too little too late where you're supposed to like feel bad for him all of the sudden and it's not until like the 
two thirds point in book seven that he starts to be nice. And you're like, fuck this. I'm not going to be, I don't care about this guy. But for Luke, I think the way they set up him in early book five is justified enough to where like, I still wasn't on his team or sympathetic for Mm -hmm. him. But I did get like, okay, I can see why you did some of the things you did. But I think to bring that in as early as possible in the TV show is genius. It's absolutely genius. I think bringing in the Hermes stuff into the Lotus Casino was great. That's another thing. People were like, they ruined the Lotus Casino. I was like, the Lotus Casino was three pages. Like, what are we talking about? They spend most of the time in the hotel room. I don't know why people are so upset. But... I think bringing in the Hermes stuff there is genius. I think we get an earlier understanding of Luke. It's just going to make him more understandable, like as a villain, mm. more compelling as a villain. And also it's just going to make the, the Percy versus Luke dynamic so much yeah. better. And I think it's a great call to pick him as the favorite character. He's so oh, interesting. Yeah. I think the thing that I liked the most is the stuff in episode eight. Because, like, obviously in the books, he ends up so much more villain. It's like, he poisons Percy. Just... Yeah, so he yeah. Can, like, he the take, scorpion. Yeah. It's And it, I remember in the books, like, when I was reading them again for the podcast, kind of thinking, it's a bit of a weird choice to, like, randomly poison him. Like, he didn't have to he was leaving anyway Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it was it was like an odd choice in general um but for him to try and recruit percy instead and try and get him to understand and like like the gods suck they are terrible they do not give a damn and for like percy to like have a momentary pause to a degree and then kind of be like, yeah, no, they they suck, but you know, Kronos is not great either. Um, it just it gave Luke so much more of a sympathetic angle because he's not with Kronos just because Kronos is powerful. He is he he gives it even in the example of the spiders um, for Annabeth, where like mm-hmm. the spiders may be small and Annabeth big, but she's afraid of them, but she can squish them whenever she needs to. And that's how the gods kind of mm-hmm. think of the demigods. Um, and he's like, but no, I'm not going to be something small to the gods that they're afraid of. I'm going to be big and continue to have them be afraid of me sort of thing. Like, it's definitely like, I like how they fed that in. I wonder if there was only one thing for, and it wasn't for the character of the story. I don't think they should have brought in Maker Stellan this soon. Yeah. I yeah I can understand that I know some people had complaints about that yeah. as well and... only because I wanted them to mention the scar they've not mentioned how he got the scar because that's directly linked to Hermes because I thought they were going to bring right. that up when they were going to Hermes of like you know yeah, the scar on his face is because Hermes sent him on a quest that Hercules once did and he was repeat and it was like an additional thing I thought that's what they were going mm-hmm. to do and then they mentioned make a stand I was like okay I see where you're going but I want the scar story. <laughs> yeah i am surprised they didn't go into that because they definitely have his scar very predominantly displayed especially in the episode eight thing with the fireworks it's like really clearly there but yeah i i know some people are upset about the may thing i do feel like they probably could have done the same stuff without mentioning it Mm -hmm. i think they're just trying to like tie annabeth more into it so it feels like I, I, I'm intrigued. It's another one of those things. Like, I feel like a lot of the times with changes, mm-hmm. I was just kind of waiting to see what they did yeah. first. Yeah. Like the payoff. Like just for trying it. to. 
Yeah, just be like, okay, like let's see where they go with this kind of mm. thing. Um, and I wonder how that'll factor in because, like, I'm assuming in season two they will talk more about that, like when it's just Percy and Annabeth on the Sea of Monsters. Mm. So I agree that I'm a bit hesitant towards how they did yeah. that, but I'm also in the camp of like let's let's see what they yeah. have in mind. Yeah, because I'm definitely intrigued to see how they are going to progress the story based on some of the changes that they've made. Because like. Mm-hmm. I need I need season two. <laughs> I need to see what you yep, do. <laughs> yes, yes, I would love that. Lord, come on, let's make it out. Oh yeah. Um, on the, well, not in a similar vein, but based on just like favorite moments in regards to favorite characters, I am intrigued as to what that you basically the best moment of the show, like the one that like if someone asked you your favorite scene, you would tell them that. Yeah, if I'm giving if I'm giving a serious answer. Mm-hmm. I would probably, oh gosh, it's really hard. If I'm picking like a serious answer, like one particular moment, I would, I, uh, I would say either the beginning of episode eight, mm. where you have the fight with Ares going on and the fight with Percy and Luke, mm. or just the ending Luke versus Percy fireworks mm. thing. If I'm giving a silly answer about like what I enjoyed the most, it is the parking garage scene in episode six. <laughs> that is so funny. That is perfect filmmaking. It is incredible. It is hilarious. It is perfectly shot, perfectly acted. Everything's incredible about it. Um, but if I'm trying to do a thing where I'm just showing someone one clip to be like, why should I watch this show? I would probably show them like the beginning of episode mm. eight because it's just so awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing now of like giving serious answer and giving the funny answer because I think that's a good thing to do. Um, So I think for me, my serious answer is the scene with Medusa where she is laying out her story. Yeah, that's a good one. Just because like I like how that sets up what happens then in episode four because Medusa and Annabeth basically end up becoming almost the same person because they're both, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, Oh, what's the word? They are both ending up at Athena's mercy because of the actions of Poseidon's connection, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, the parallels. The parallels. Are great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed that. But my silly answer, oh, what should I choose? Um, oh, Annabeth, after Percy has just doused the Ares kids in toilet water, and he's like, Have you been talking to me? Yes, <laughs> just, just so like good. that little back and forth. So good. It was just, it was very Annabeth. It was very funny. She's just so deadpan, and I just really enjoy mm-hmm. it. Yeah, really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really fun moments throughout the show. It's tough to pick, which I think is a testament to the show being really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know, like, <laughs> I know you're very like super positive about it, but I am intrigued as to what you would say to not necessarily like your worst moment, but your least favorite moment from the show like something you're kind of like oh, i don't yeah. really know how i feel about that um i think i think the thing that i enjoyed the least was i think it's it's i i'll go to the earliest thing of it because i think it set up a couple dominoes mm. i didn't like aries telling them directly to go to the lotus casino and find Hermes to help them get to Los Angeles just because I feel like the point of the Lotus Casino like in the Lotus myth and then also the casino like within how it fits into the Percy Jackson world like I I would have found it more interesting if they had just stumbled upon it like if Aries had said go to Las Vegas and find Hermes 
and then they like wander in even if he says that like because that's more direction than they had in the book the book it was just like i don't know man uh so if they'd just gone to las vegas just to find hermes and then they stumbled into the casino i would have liked that more because i think what happens in the show is Aries says go to the casino, so then they go into the casino. Because they've been directly sent to the casino, it does, I think, make more sense for them to know what's up right away because they've been on this whole ride thinking about what the casino could be. And I think that this is something that, like, I've enjoyed people making this defense because some people are like, oh, they don't figure as much stuff out. Like, everyone's telling them what to do, and they know who Medusa is and blah, blah, blah. Like, if you were a demigod and there was a set of monsters that kept coming back all the time, I would study up on them all the time. Like, Annabeth would know everything about every monster. It is a little less believable that it takes them so long to figure out the Medusa thing and so long to figure out some of the other monsters. So... I, I I just didn't like I was more bothered by them directly going to the casino than them knowing what was up at the start because I still feel like by the end of episode six you still get the same effect mm-hmm. of the casino stuff with the Lotus but I just didn't like them directly going to the thing that within mythology is supposed to be like a mirage oasis that you stumble across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing I dislike the most. And it's a it's a minor thing in the grand scheme of it, but I would have enjoyed it. Yeah, that yeah. More. I get you. And I do get what you mean about the like yeah, they sh- should know things a little bit more. I do kind of the Medusa one, I fully agree with that like it makes sense that they know it. It didn't make sense that they didn't know it in the books. Um mm-hmm. I would say the other monster, like the Krusty's one, I think was the one where I was kind of like okay, come on. <laughs> this is a bit I think that's another, and this is why I picked the Ares thing, because I think what happens is Ares says go to the Lotus to talk to Hermes. They go to talk to Hermes. Hermes is going to drive them. Hermes tells them where the entrance of the underworld is, and thus Hermes gives them the heads up about Krusty. So that's like all the dominoes. So it's like one of those things where like I wasn't mad at like choices B, C, and D, because I think they all stem from choice A. Yeah, and I kind of get that. The only thing it was for me was just like, we don't see it on screen, <laughs> so we just like infer sure. that like Hermes, but like, right. yeah. but that's yeah, that's neither here nor there. But that's a mm-hmm. that's a good point though. Like, yeah, I think it would have been nice if they'd kind of stumbled on it because it then would kind of it would probably lead to less people having more of the complaint about them mm-hmm. knowing every single. Yeah, and I th- I think people I I would have to see if people who had those complaints earlier on don't have them because I know a lot of people were making that complaint after episode six, but then in episode seven you see the scene where Percy figures out that it's not Hades, mm. and like the show very intentionally like a conversation is happening and it's just showing Walker's face, mm. and then he realizes that Hades is not the person whose voice he's been hearing, and it's Kronos. Like I thought that was cool. And then in episode eight, Percy figures out the Luke thing all on his own. So I feel like by the time the season has ended, we do have two really solid examples of Percy figuring everything out. And also even in the beginning of episode eight, when Percy's talking to Ares and recognizes that it's not Ares's plan. So like by the time the season has ended, Percy's had three very clear examples of things I figured out on my own. Mm. I wonder if people are still bothered by it after seeing those episodes, but... I agree that, like, we don't get as much stuff. I think it was not that bad yeah. by the by the time we are done with episode eight because we had more examples of him doing it. Yeah. Ironically, I am one of those... I say ironically. <laughs> that's not the right use of the <laughs> word. Um, I admittedly am one of those people where I wasn't the biggest fan of him figuring out about Kronos at that point in time, mainly just because okay. I was like, I couldn't fully get where he was getting all of, like... Where did he get from eight point A to B to C to here sort of situation? 
mainly just because mm-hmm. the dreams with Kronos throughout the season, up until ironically episode seven at the start, none of them had been like plot related. So there was nothing that kind of like hmm. it was only in episode seven where we gained something from the dreams. Yeah. For the plot. Yeah. So I was kind of like, he's not had much prior to that leading up to it, and there'd not been much talk about Kronos except for Ares, which I remember feeling was a bit odd as well. It was kind of like they were trying to yeah, drop I it. Guess, well, I think they did it. This is something I thought the show actually did really well. Because they don't spend as much time at camp, mm. they have to take some of the things that are mostly like Percy learning from Chiron or Annabeth or like in class. They have to take those things and then he has to learn them in the world. Mm. And I feel like the conversation between Ares and Grover was kind of like a way to learn the, oh, the gods kind of suck a little bit mm. conversation, which like Chiron for sure has with Percy. And I feel like in that, in the book, like Cronus was mentioned enough to where, you know, you should be able to pick up on it. So I think it does make sense by the end when Percy realizes it's Cronus. Mm. So I still feel like that was earned because in the book, Cronus was only mentioned like once and then Percy does put it together, right? Um, like, it's I, Luke isn't it the same kind of realization? So, Luke, so it's during oh. their confrontation at the end that Luke mentions mm-hmm. it and that's... Got it. There's hints, so you know the scene in episode 8 between Poseidon and um, Zeus where they mention the mm-hmm. word father in ancient Greek. Mm-hmm. So that does happen in the books but at that point they don't like there's been no conversation about Kronos, but uh, there's gotcha. the hint about yeah. that. And Percy says, "Father, that feels a bit odd that they're saying that word." And then he has the confrontation mm-hmm. with Luke, and then puts two and two I together. Think, I think for the show version of Percy, it makes sense because we have established that Sally has taught him the myths yeah. beforehand and taught him ancient Greek beforehand. That he would know more about Kronos because in the book it's more believable because he's only heard Kronos like once. In theory, Percy has been hearing Kronos like in the show yeah. his whole life and then Ares mentioned it and that like kind of brought it back to the front of his brain yeah so i feel like it's more believable again then you would just have to have a gripe with like the change of sally telling him yeah. the stories but i think that's a fun yeah change. no it makes sense of the change in my head i'm just kind of like i also like that like we had someone who was learning it for the first time for us as an audience because at this point mm-hmm. in time, it's the it's the it's the things like I think it was the Hephaestus thing of them telling the stories. Kind of like you both like both him and Annabeth knew the story. Why are you telling the story? Sort of thing. Like it very much kind of at that point, it was kind of like mm. they're saying it for the audience, but they've got no right, audience stand-in right. sort of situation. Kind of like how like Harry yeah. is the stand-in sort of thing, and Ron's giving the information about the Wizarding World sort of stuff. Right. I think it's just hard to do it in a show. Yeah. For when you normally learn these things from like first person person narrator just thinking about stuff, I think it's hard to do. I also think it's so funny because I think some of the complaints people are making about the show, it's people who don't know, like they read a thing online and then they don't know what it means and then they say it a lot. Like if I have to read another person talking about showing, don't telling that doesn't know what showing, don't telling means, I'm going to lose my mind. Like I feel like 19 year olds on TikTok were like, ooh, show, don't tell. And they say it about everything and it really bothers (laughs) me because they don't utilize it properly. But I think another thing is people keep saying it's like, oh, there's so much exposition. There's so much exposition. Like, there is actually not that much exposition dump in this show. 
they work it into conversations really well and at the same time people will complain about there being too much exposition but then also complain that there like wasn't anything explained well and it's like hmm so i feel like there's very often times where people make complaints about things that are opposites from each other and i think if you had too much of like doing the thing where you explain the thing to the audience like it would just feel like such a drag yeah. and i think they did a good job of never making it feel like such a drag maybe a bit too far in that like it feels like everything is just kind of like go 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 but i feel like that's eight episodes where they seem to have been told don't make them more than 40 minutes yeah as opposed to maybe in the future maybe season two is 10 episodes and they're all 45 minutes and i think as the show goes on hopefully it continues like it'll be easier to do when they have more of a backing more of like a dedicated audience and then also when they have more kid actors who are above the age of 18 and they can film more because i think that's a thing that's going really underrated about the filming like filming with actual children yeah. is hard and i don't know of too many like fantasy television shows that have done that i'm sure there are some but like harry potter was movies it is easier to make a two-hour film with kid actors than it is to make an eight episode tv show with kids and you have to factor in their particular filming things and how much they can do a day like once more those kids get over 18 then it's going to be a lot easier for them to you know film more and then make episodes be longer when people are just like oh why aren't the episodes longer like that is you, that's not the solution no. you can't just do that yeah and honestly i'm one of those people just like i hear that a lot and i'm like the only thing that should have been longer is the season like 10 episodes really would yes. have helped a lot right um right and it's not like they're just like editing stuff out yeah. like it's not a youtube video yeah. <laughs> they, did, they didn't film things because they couldn't yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where I'm at as well. Like, I definitely think the only episode I say that I feel like had a lot of exposition is episode two. And that's just because it kind of needed it because you need to set it it's, up. Yeah. It's the it's the camp chapter. Yeah. Like it's it's what you have to do. It's episode two of potentially 50 yeah. of the TV show. Like you just, it had to happen. Yeah. It had to yeah. happen. And like the whole thing is, is like, I knew it had to happen. I always, like, I did say, like, I wish it had been executed, like, some aspects of the script. And I think this is the thing, because that was one of the episodes that Rick wrote. And I always say, like, I mean no disrespect <laughs> to Rick, mm -hmm. but I don't think he's meant to be a script writer. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's a it's a completely different craft. Totally different. And if you need more an example of that, watch. I, do, I don't actually recommend doing this. But if you've ever seen the second Fantastic Beasts movie where J.K. Rowling actually wrote more of that one, look how bad that is. You want to talk about exposition dump, watch that movie. And that's where you learn screenwriting and book writing are completely different. Yeah. And like that's just one of the things I was kind of like, you could kind of tell one of the person with the script was not well versed in script writing um mm -hmm. and but that's kind of the only episode like that i felt had the exposition based problems and like the only thing i ever said was like i was kind of happy with how the episode was i just wish they'd done some visual stuff like the one thing i always say and i know it's kind of technically a problem with one thing is that when luke and percy have their conversation of him telling his story of him talia and annabeth is that whilst they're having their conversation, for just like a sort of more dynamic imagery instead of like the back and forth camera of the conversation, it shows a flashback. 
of them finding young yeah. Annabeth. Because that would like I think that's just yeah. that's just tough. Yeah. Like that's a that's a logistical oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Like, it hundred percent is. And I'm just like yeah. in my head I'm just like I like I know people like that would have gotten less complaints, but it's also getting another actor to play a younger Annabeth. Right. I felt that way about the Ares fight where I loved the Ares fight in the book and I, I still think the fight in the show was cool, but I was sad that like the other stuff going on wasn't there, like with the cop cars and the explosions yeah, yeah. and like the people, like but also that turns a scene that just has two people and the volume and you know some water and some sand on the ground into like such a hard shot. Yeah. And then you have to do fight choreography on top of all of that, like then you got to factor in the CGI wave. Like, there's so much that I understand. Like, yeah, I wish this could have happened. I understand why it didn't. I am a little bit sad, but I also, I get Yeah, it. yeah, I think it's the whole thing. Just, like, I get some things. I'm just going to make note of just, like, this would have been cool, though. <laughs> would have been cool, yeah. but, uh, yeah. And, and I think that's totally fine. I think you have, like, the correct level of criticism of recognizing, mm. like, you can still say, I wish this was done differently, and then at the same time be like, but I also understand why yeah, it wasn't yeah. done that way. And that's way. the whole thing. And I get it. Like, and yeah, it's just it's it, going to be a budget thing. It's both the young actors, but also then the budget and also the time. Because, right. like, they yeah. were not filming for, like, very long. I think it was, like, no. like four, five, maybe six months, which, like, is quite I short in comparison. Right. So I, I'm interested and we'll have to see what happens with the re renewal, but I would love if it gets picked up for seasons two and three and they can back to the future two, three it where they film both at the same mm. time, like, and maybe take a little bit longer of a, of a time to film it. But then the result might be longer episodes and more episodes and like the kids looking the proper age because underrated thing the time jump between books two and three is shorter yeah. than a lot it's of the like other time jumps four, five so months, isn't it? right yeah because it's like summer to then christmas yeah. so it's a year between one and two and then it's like a, you know half a year between two yeah, and three yeah. so if you know walker scobell ends up looking <laughs> like an 18 year old kid after four months it's like wait a second wasn't it just July? Yeah. <laughs> like, why do you look so much older? <laughs> yeah. But um, I know I, I agree with that as well, because I think that'll help in terms of also just giving them the time to shoot more scenes to a degree, but also figuring out what to do mm -hmm. with the script and stuff like that. And that's yeah, unfortunately yeah. like a Disney-based issue. A lot of the kids' shows don't get that time to breathe from like how it sounds. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the only ones that do, which I find really interesting, are the ones that are then not marketed. <laughs> like, Oh, interesting. Yeah, so there were... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go on a tangent for everyone who's listening. Mm -hmm. So Charlie Bushnell was in a show that I loved, which was called Diary of a Future President. And it was just like a okay. slice of life show about a Latin American family. The young daughter wants to grow up to be president one day. Um, and Charlie Bushnell was her brother. And the show got one season. Uh, it was, was it 10 episodes? It may have been 10 episodes. Um, and they had like nine writers for the season. And it got renewed for a season two. Same season length, same amount of writers. Was cancelled within a month. And then the entire series was wiped off the page. So you can no longer watch Diary of Future President. What? I just, what? what? I 
don't get that. Yeah. Like, is it server storage? What is going on? Like, I think when they do that for shows, you should be able to buy a DVD of yeah. the season. Like, what is happening? Yeah. I don't understand but this. But the worst bit about it, so, and I was to this day, I'm really upset about it. I found <laughs> out about season two after they'd wiped it off the page. So, because they didn't Ugh. advertise it like anywhere for like the UK stuff or anything like that. So I was like, I didn't even get to watch it. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure if you check the C's, you might be able yeah. to find it. <laughs> I may have to at some point. But yeah, they did it with a bunch of stuff. But like, um, it's the same thing that happened with Benedict um, Society. I think that got a lot more promotion. But for season two, it didn't get as much promotion as it did. And then it got cancelled. I think it's still on the page. Mm. But like, yeah, the, the, they seem to do weird stuff with like Disney Channel original kid shows for some reason. So yeah, I know. I was my dad sent me an article recently that was just basically it was from like one of the more reputable kind of things, whether it's like Deadline or Variety mm. or someone. But they were like, "Why did they not renew this thing for season two yet? Like they are they are a potentially really making a huge mistake because apparently Loki did the thing where like in the mid credits of uh." I don't know if it was the first season or the second mm. season. Like at one point in a show, they were like, there will be another season. Uh, and for them to not do that for Percy Jackson seems like a ridiculous choice. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're trying, maybe it's some intentional thing. Maybe they're negotiating it out. I don't know. But if they don't do a future season, I, I am flabbergasted because numbers wise, it's a, apparently doing incredibly yeah. well. Oh, numbers wise, it's doing really, really well. Critics wise, also yeah. doing really, really well. Um, yeah. And like, other than the loud minority who were super negative, like most mm -hmm. of it is positive. Obviously, there are other critiques that come in, but that's like first season things. First seasons of many shows have breathing, uh, not breathing problems. <laughs> uh, what's the term? There's a term for it. Um, like people say, like season one of shows are usually not the best season. That yeah, they got to figure yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah. Like they gotta, getting... they gotta find their yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what this show is doing. They're figuring out what they want to do. They were making their changes. The changes work for uh, the most part, and they're just going from there. They're just they're figuring out like the kinks and all that sort of stuff. And they, like, yeah, if yeah. this is going to be the worst season, we're in great shape. Yeah. We are in fantastic shape because yeah. this was incredible. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, episode eight was the one for me where I was like, yeah, I can see the direction they go for future. And if this, if it. If episode eight, because I like have episode eight as like my number one, with like oh, three easily, and four easily, easily. followed. Um, if those are the episode calibers for future, yeah, you can see where they're going. They're going to get their standing. They're going to get, you know, they're going to catch their stride sort of situation. Um, you just it just shows are not given the time to air out the initial problems of a first season. Which every show had, <laughs> like all the sh like yeah. Grey's Anatomy first season, it wasn't that great. I mean, like no. so many things have bad first seasons, and then the rest... yeah, West Wing, West Wing first season. Like, there's yeah. lots of shows where the first season is like, oh my god, like Parks and Rec's first season is awful. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of great shows that have a tough first season. This first season was incredible. Yeah. So if it's only going to get better, cool. Yeah. Okay, just because we are talking about future season mm -hmm. two. Fingers crossed, touch wood. Pray, like, mm -hmm. well, we're close to 11 11, so we'll make a wish soon as well. Well, in the UK. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but um, what would you, because obviously 
season two would be Sea of Monsters, which is personally my favorite book from the original season. Oh, that is a hot take. Yeah, I think that's everyone's like consensus like least favorite book. Yeah. But I know, I think Daphne Olive, the staff writer, I think that's that's her favorite book. I interviewed her for an episode mm. that's about to come out on TNO. And she said that when she first talked to Walker, the first thing he asked her was, what's your ranking of the books? And she said that one, she said Sea of Monsters. And he like disagreed but respected her for making that choice. Like he he knew like, oh, she's a real one. Like she's actually thought about this. I don't agree with her, but like that means she cares. Yeah. <laughs> I, the only reason why I have Sea of Monsters High, so it goes, if I'm honest, it is usually tied with The Last Olympian because they kind of like beat each other out every so often. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's The Last Olympian sure. first, then Sea of Monsters and kind of goes back and forth. It's just because mm-hmm. I love an adventure. Like it's just pure yeah, adventure sure. vibes. It's fun. Get out. Leave camp. Let's get on the ocean. Let's go. It's great. I love what it brings to the table. I think all five are great, even though it might be like my least favorite if I had to pick like you got to reread a book. Which one are you rereading? But I love it and I love what it brings to the franchise. So I'm so stoked. I'm also a Clarice like. Oh, yeah. Especially Dior is Clarice. Dior is phenomenal. She is so wonderful as a human and great as an actress for Clarice. I'm stoked I, to see her shine. I am a Clarice apologist. I am a Clarice stan. She is my number one. Clarice and Selena forever. <laughs> I mean, look, I the my biggest thing, like, if I loved these the main five books. The only thing I didn't like is I think they fumbled the Clarice redemption arc so oh, yeah. badly in book five yeah. that yeah, if yeah. they fix that in the show, I will be over the yeah. moon. Because they had, she was getting better and better and better and better, and then she regressed so yeah. hard in book five. The whole chariot thing made me so upset. Yeah. If they fix that, I'm gonna just hug Rick Riordan yeah. if I ever ask for his permission. If it's okay for me yeah. to hug him, my only thing also is just like, let my queen be a gay icon. <laughs> like I mean, the gays love Clarice. Oh, I mean, it would. I wouldn't put it past the show. Yeah. I really would not. Put like it past I know the show. Chris is casted and they have the chris and like their friends and all that sort of stuff but like sure come on they've they've clearly established that they're okay with changing the relationships like there's no way they're gonna do the annabeth having a crush on luke thing based on the way they did the fight in episode eight like you just can't do you just don't do that anymore like it's a different dynamic i'm really excited to see what they do with it but it's just gonna be different they've clearly gone in the direction and they did it in episode two and they cemented in episode eight that it's like Annabeth is like my little sister. Luke is like my brother. And it's not this weird thing that happens in the end of book five, which I laughed my ass off at when Luke asks if she loves him. And he says like, she says like a brother, which is like gross. But like, if the actual thing is like that, then yeah, that's what the show's going for. So all that being said, they could change the Chris Clarice thing and have it be. Yeah. And the whole thing is I have a whole thing where like, she is unrequitedly in love with Selena. And yeah. like, oh, yeah. then we have the dynamic of like an Aphrodite child choosing to fall in love with a Hephaestus kid oh. instead of an Aries child, which is like the opposite of the mm. actual situation with their parents. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. And just also, I just, I love it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, anyway, sorry, just, but yeah, Sea of Monsters is Clarice's book, really. So I'm excited for Dior. Mm-hmm. But yes, what would you be excited for for season two what would you want from season two? Oh man also is chris rodriguez hephaestus is that, oh, is uh, that no sorry um, charlie he's charles. hurt me 
Yeah. Oh, Charlie. Oh, so yeah. yeah so Dolph. Selena yeah, yeah. to Charlie. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Um. Let's see. What am I looking for for season two? I mean, I, I, what I'm like the most interested in the show doing is season two is going to be different than like the book two because book two was kind of like we have traded away Grover for Tyson, but Grover is still there in the beginning and at the end, mm. and. I think by nature of the show, and again, this is just like how shows are made kind of thing. They've had so much of like the trio, the trio, the trio that I feel like it would be hard for them to not make that like the whole thing going forward. I think they are going to stick with that. So I feel like we're going to get like more Grover in season two than we got in book two, which I'm interested in like i think it's going to be cool to see what they do that's one of the most fun things about the show is us getting to see the perspective of characters that do things like that we didn't get to see because it was all from percy's perspective in the book so if we get some more grover stuff i think that will be really interesting i think they'll definitely use him with like polyphemous like not necessarily flashbacks but like uh what's going on at polyphemuses and they'll just do more of that but i think that's something that i'm just interested to see how they do I'm also interested to see how they do the Percy and Annabeth dynamic, like when they eventually get alone on the boat and they talk about some of the bigger picture stuff, since bigger picture stuff has already kind of been established in season one. Mm. I'm interested to see what they do that. And then as far as just like things that I'm just like straight up looking forward to, um, gosh, I am, I, th- I just... Like, I, I'm intrigued to see the fight with Polyphemus, the skill of Charybdis, the Clarice stuff. Like, mm. I, I getting more Clarice because she was so good in a limited role. Getting more Ares because he was so good in a limited role. Because he has that little thing where he talks to Clarice through the boat. Like, I, I think this will be fun. And then also just, like, what do they do with Tyson? How are they going to make that look? How are they going to make him not look creepy like he does in the Sea of Monsters movie? Mm. I there's so I'm very excited. There's a lot of things. Yeah. Everything. Every the answer is all of the above, clearly. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much in the same boat. I think the thing that I'm most excited to see and really desperately hope that they do is the siren scene. Because that is the yes. that cements oh, yeah. Annabeth's trauma, her story, but also her friendship with Percy even more so of just the fact that like she's mm-hmm. seen him at his lowest so far like the loss of his mum the anger about Mm -hmm. that all the sort of stuff and now he's seen her at hers yeah no i think that'll be good it also does like that's where you get some of the luke stuff too yeah and i think they'll kind of use that Mm. as a vessel to get some more luke into the yeah yeah for sure um i'm also intrigued to see who they'll cast as talia um yeah oh right because they will have to cast her yeah because she appears and then obviously her at the end as well um mm-hmm. really looking forward to Clarice. I there is a few things that mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they will change from the books because firstly the Confederate boat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I I love what they did with the World War II thing in episode mm. eight. I thought that was such a good change where it was like the war started the war, not Hitler was a demigod. Yeah. So I think that's a huge improvement. Yeah. I could see them finding a way just to make it like it just say it's a, a civil war ship and then not mention like what side yeah. the people are from like they don't need zombies the ship works on its own or something like that right yeah that is interesting yeah are they going to do the zombies i don't know because they they have seemed to and i don't know if this is budgeting or an intentional choice they've seemed to like try to get away from like cgi for the sake of cgi like we didn't get the skeleton army at hades mm. 
palace and it doesn't really change that much. Yeah. So I wonder if they are going to just have it not necessarily be a man by that. Like it doesn't, I, it's, yeah, it, yeah, that's very interesting. Because they're also technically very, very saving money as well by not having extras on as the zombies as well. Yes. Because you'd have right. to do all their makeup yeah. and stuff like that as well. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also just it removes any possible badness. <laughs> that right, that right, situation. right. Um, but also I do hope that they don't have Ares as an abuser just because. Yeah, just make him grumpy. Don't make yeah, him because. Not only was it, I always hated it in the books because it was completely inaccurate to mythology because Ares was considered the most loving, well, well, I say most loving, like loving in quotes, but sure, sure. he, like, not only was he not a sexist, (laughs) because he's super Mm -hmm, sexist mm -hmm. in the books, which is so weird. He is the creator of the Amazons alongside Artemis. It was very weird that he was Um, Mm anti-women. But also, like, he... Like, he went to bat for his demigod kids and his kids in general in mythology. Like, there's a story... Ironically, it's also one that Rick writes in the Percy Jackson and the Greek Gods books where he does, like, the backstories for the gods. And it's yeah, one where, yeah. basically, he kills a son of Poseidon because a son of Poseidon assaulted one of his children. Oh, yeah, I've heard yeah. about the story. Right. And so, like, you kind of get that vibes, and it's kind of like that in comparison to, like, him in the books. It's just... Yeah. It's like a completely different god sort of imagery. Yeah. In comparison to Poseidon, yeah. who is like basically almost like Zeus in actual mythology. Mm-hmm. And then you've got fun loving fishermen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was another thing that like I it, it, I was a little worried throughout season one that they made Poseidon like a little too nice. I don't think they made him too too nice, yeah. but he was like a little too nice for my yeah. liking. For uh, my it was the well, my voice went really weird then. It was <laughs> the only thing I was kinda like I didn't like was that he surrendered the war. That man's got a pride the size of the globe. Mm, I don't think he would yeah. surrender up the war for one kid. <laughs> Even if he really yeah, liked I think that it, kid. <sighs> I think I that was one of those like I loved the the missing the deadline change yeah. to show that like Percy's priorities are correct and I think that's just one of those like how else will this is the only way to end it so I think it's kind of like a choice that I'm kind of eh about is a result of a choice a change that I really liked so it's kind of like you know two steps forward yeah, yeah. half of a step back but I get yeah, it yeah. yeah no I totally get you um but yeah season two I think there's just a lot of a lot of character stuff I think they can do in season two, which like mm-hmm. I think is what I'm excited for when it comes to the scripts, just because like there's some areas of the scripts that I'm kind of like, and this is just because like I do script writing and stuff like that as well. So that was my brain not being mm-hmm. able to switch off areas where they can be improved. And I think season two, because it is very character heavy with lots of things, like there are obviously yeah. action moments, um, but it's very much about the characters and i think this will be the season that even if it's considered like maybe like the most boring of the plots it'll be the season where the characters are getting that development they are building those relationships we are like we're getting the stepping stones to what's coming next and so i think this will be mm-hmm. a, it will probably still end up being one of my favorite seasons i feel like it's gonna be because mm-hmm. of the character moments because this yeah. is the season i mean like they could really hit all the moments there I really hope mm-hmm. they do. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of really cool Very stuff cool. they can do. There's a lot of interesting things. And I I think they absolutely nailed the casting. Like, I don't... I think one of the biggest successes of the show is just, like, the casting was unreal. Oh, yeah. Everybody was amazing. Like, I don't... There wasn't a single character that I think I would have wanted a different casting choice. Oh, no. Like, everyone from adults to kids to big roles to small roles was just 
perfect. Mm. Even some of the decisions that I reason eyebrow, like I was concerned about Lin-Manuel Miranda as Hermes and he did great. He was phenomenal. Yeah. Like I think they're, they have knocked it out of the park. I think they will continue to knock it out of the park yeah. and whatever they're doing to cast the kids to like, I think they truly are sticking to their word where they're saying like, we're just casting based on who's best. We don't care what they necessarily look like. We're just trying to get the best kids. And then, yeah, like everyone was so good. Everyone was so good. And I think they'll do that again. So all the things I'm saying about like, I wonder if they'll try to like intentionally get someone. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But I don't know. Like, I don't think that they really had like specific things. They were just trying to get the best actors. And I think they did because everyone was in was so good yeah. so good oh, 100% the acting and the actors themselves I think were like like no complaints no notes <laughs> fantastic job Mm-mm. loved every bit of it really good yeah and all the actors seemed to like really care yeah. like all the people even if they were on for just one episode like they really put a lot of effort yeah. into their roles and like put a lot of work in and that's cool to see just a whole cast of people really giving it yeah, damn yeah yeah I think you're just gonna like we're gonna see that continue to improve like cause the cast are going to get to know each other more like the ones who are more regular yeah. they're going to build up that more uh, more of a relationship with each other in person which is going to lead to more chemistry between the characters and it's just going to continue like they're going to feel like they've built a relationship on the actual show itself as their characters as they're doing it in real life with each other yeah and they'll also be able now that this season did well i'm sure they will be able to get some bigger names that might have more interest like oh yeah that show did really well yeah and then they can try to bring in some really really talented oh yeah 100 percent um but yeah season two fingers crossed we get it i like we said start currently no announcement yet but uh it looks like disney does it either within um a month i think is the earliest they've done it and like three to six the latest (laughs) oh my oh my gosh they like to make us wait (laughs) oh please we'll see we shall see we shall see (laughs) but I think they'll do it. I think they'll do yeah. it. It would be silly for them not to. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But uh, Mike, tell everyone where they can find you, where's all the stuffs, all that sort of things. And I will link it in the episode show notes for everyone who is listening in. Thank you. Yeah, you can listen to my Percy Jackson podcast, The Newest Olympian, wherever you get your podcasts or by going to our website, thenewestolympian.com. As I mentioned, it is a podcast where I had never read the Percy Jackson books as a kid, so it was me going through them for the very first time as an adult. Had a lot of fun guests like Fran on where I would go, you know, a couple of chapters at a time through the books. And then I also did some episodes about the movies and some spinoff books and then some fun chats where we talked about like just how you know artemis and the hunters and asexuality factor into the book or how like adhd and dyslexia factor into the book i interviewed someone who's like a mental health expert stuff like that and we're gonna be from here doing the sea of monsters movie then the lightning thief musical and then heroes of olympus so that's fun and then i also did a bunch of episodes about the tv show and i got to interview you know the cast and the crew so i did a whole bunch of stuff there and then if you want to just check out me, uh, my Twitter and Instagram is shub17, S-C-H-U-B-E-S-1-7. And then I have a website with all the podcast stuff I do, which is just shubes, S-C-H-U-B dot E-S. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So that'll be all in the episode show notes, everyone who has tuned in. Thank you also for tuning in in general. That's been great. Of course, you know all of my stuff. I have books. I'm poor. Please buy. Um... Buy the books. 
um and you know all the things that i do because i don't enjoy sleep apparently but um that's the worst yeah. sleep with your dad exactly. who needs it yeah <laughs> don't tell my therapist i said this <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally thank you mike for coming on it's been it's been brilliant i've really enjoyed talking to you about the show no, this is great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course. And uh, for everyone listening, as always, thank you for joining me and Mike this week for a discussion of the TV show. I hope you've all enjoyed and be sure to join me next time as we continue our Roundverse journey. Ta-ra! Bye! If you would like to support this podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran to get early access to all Best Damn Camp episodes. If you would like to get involved over on social media, you can find me over at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, from Spotify to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Deezer and anything in between. Be sure to leave a rating and a review as well if you can. Want to know more about my upcoming writing? Drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I'll see, shall I speak to you guys next time. Bye.